Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, he was the only survivor of a shipwreck, washed up on a small uninhabited island, not Washington Island or Rock Island, maybe a little further north, but, and he prayed feverishly for God to rescue him. And every day he scanned the horizon for help, but nothing seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood and to protect himself from the elements and to store the few possessions that he had that he was able to keep and rescue from the shipwreck. But then after one day, he was scavenging for food along the island. He arrived to his little hut to discover it was in flames. The smoke rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. Everything he had was lost and gone. And he was stung with grief and anger. And he yelled up, God, how could you do this to me? Well, Early the next day, he was awakened by the sound of a ship was approaching the island. It, it had come to rescue him. And he said, how did you know I was here? And, uh, and they replied, well, we saw your smoke signal. <laughs> the smoke signal he never intended to give. It's interesting sometimes how sometimes in our lives we think the thing which is the disaster, the worst possible thing to happen, and, and yet somehow God works in it. How, does, how, does, how are we going to get through this? How, is, how will we recover from this? We have been looking at the book of Acts through this summer, and, and we have been looking at how they have been moving from this tragic event in their lives of their master and, and, and teacher who, who was killed because of what he was saying about the kingdom of God and, and incomprehensible to them, but then even more incomprehensible, he was raised from the dead. He resurrected and then was with them for about 50 days and revealed himself to many people. And then he ascended into heaven and he gave them a task. As I leave, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now just wait here for my spirit. And, and so they did. And as we've been looking through chapters 2 through, through 7, we have been seeing how God has worked through his spirit and, and drawn many people to him. That as the spirit came to them and they were able to speak about God and who he was in tongues that, well, that they didn't really know. Yet God still moved and worked there. Peter gave a message and, and was able to encapsulate all that God had done and what he was doing and what he said he would do through the prophet Joel and, and how all that happened and was is completed in Jesus Christ. Even though you people killed him, this was God's intention to bring us to life. And, and then we, we've seen how the community has gotten together and, and cared for one another. Well, as we come to the story of Stephen from last week and, and as he who was assigned to, to care for widows because there was some discrepancy within the fellowship of how people were being treated, he also had other gifts and one of them was to speak boldly about who Jesus is and, and he did so and, 
and got into some arguments. And those who were trying to argue with him that he was wrong, that Jesus couldn't have been that, couldn't match up with him. And so they lied about him <laughs> and they had him arrested and sent before the, the, the leading religious leaders. And, and they asked him, are these charges true that you've been tearing down Moses and the law and, and, and this temple? And, and then he gives this great impassioned message. Again, talking about how through Abraham and Moses and David, God had been doing something that, that finds this completion in Jesus, whom you killed, and now calls us to him. Well, the response to that message was, from those listening to it, was anger to the degree, degree which is incomprehensible to us on some level, but so much so that they killed him by stoning and Again, reflected a little bit about this idea of stoning, how, how absolutely brutal it is. And we left that passage last week wondering, what's next? Stephen looks to God and, and with peace recognizes God's presence with him and, and goes through this. But there's this ominous ending to it. And there was this guy, Saul, overseeing all of this and watching them. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 8, let's continue on and see what's next. How does, how does this work, this horrible thing that's happened to Stephen, and what's next for this? Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Whew. Well, a lot of times in church, we, we have this idea that if I just do it right, God will bless me. If I just, if I'm right for him, if I'm talking about him, if I'm living and doing the things I should be, it's just going to be great and smooth for me. And yet we come to stories in scripture and we discover that's very often not the case. That very often those who are most faithful to God endure darkness and difficulty. And with Stephen's death, you think, isn't that enough? But no, now the, the outrage against this new teaching reached such a fever pitch. And, and this guy, Saul, helps lead and direct these efforts, looking for any people of the way. And, and so the church is scattered around. They're, they have to leave Jerusalem where they've been ministering and, and enjoying each other's fellowship and company, taking care of one another and with, with their goods and resources as they had need. And it's like, this is, this is not right. God, what are you doing? Much like the, the shipwrecked man on the island and... And well, that's not the end of the story, because the story goes on. In verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. 
with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may also receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Well, so the aftermath of Stephen and his message, talking rightly about the work that Jesus did, that the call that he has on people, persecution, scattered, burying, mourning, destroying, dragging to prison, these are, these are not the most wonderful combination of words we can come up with, is it? And I think at some point we need to bring our minds around this, that it was not easy. It was very difficult. I mean, if this was happening in the United States today, how would we respond? What would our response be if, if it was our kids on a mission trip to, to New York or Mexico or Asia or Africa, and, and they were imprisoned or per- persecuted or even stoned because of what they were doing? How, how do we respond it would be hor- horrific. What would the hope be? Well, again, fortunately, the story doesn't end there. Because through this process, we see something entirely different that, that in this scattering that happens with God's people, they begin going other places and talking about, well, about the Lord Jesus. Uh, the same Lord Jesus that they had been told again and again, you must not speak in this guy's name. Do not teach about this guy's name any longer. But as they'd said previously, who, uh, who should we listen to, God or man? And they continue to go. And as having endured that darkness, they now go to other places and are casting the light of this message of God's love for mankind to new places that they had not been before. Maybe your, your memories at, at reading the words Judea and Samaria brought you back to times you read 
Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was talking with his disciples and told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit came and, and his description of what would happen next, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, which is the region that they were in, and Samaria, the next region to the north, and, and to the ends of the earth, that Jesus' destiny for them was to take this message not just for themselves, but to continue to tell others about it, to give testimony about what he was doing in other places, and specifically Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And, well, so far in our story here, they'd not gotten past Jerusalem. They were having a great, robust, vibrant ministry in Jerusalem until this persecution breaks out. And all but the apostles are scattered. But wherever they went... They preach the word, and Luke gives us a description. It's like, as I tell you about this, let me tell you about Philip. Philip, Philip if you recall, in, uh, in chapter 6, he was one of the guys that was also chosen along with Stephen to, to help the widows who, who needed to service. Uh, there, was, there was a problem within the church that, that some widows uh, were, and this was on some ethnic lines, were being treated better than others, and so they wanted to to. to get this right, and so seven were appointed to, to help out and make sure that these things went well, that those who needed care got the care they needed, and, and Philip was one of them. But like Stephen, he's not confined just to waiting the tables. He also has been gifted by God, and, and as the scattering happens to him, he goes to a village in, in Samaria and, and begins to speak of this Jesus. Well, those of you who are familiar with this, the New Testament and the Gospels would recognize the word Samaria as uh, a place where Samaritans live. And where Samaritans live and Jews connect with them, it's, it's not a good relationship between them. Uh, there, is, uh, there is animosity in great detail. At one point, John, after the disciples go through a particular town in Samaria, uh, John says, hey, Jesus, those jerks, do you want me to call God from heaven and have God destroy this village? I think that's what we should do to them. And, and you say, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> Take it easy, big boy. That's not what I want you to do. But such is their feeling for them. Jesus has ministered there. We, we are familiar with, uh, in John chapter 4, his, his discussion with a woman at a well in in a Samaritan village, and, and he speaks about living water with him. So this whole village comes to, to believe in Jesus, and so there's some connection with him. But now they're going there, and, and Philip has these interactions, and he tells people, this is Jesus. He was killed. Maybe you remember when he came through here and heard about him in his teaching, but he's been killed, but he was raised again, and, and he was the Son of Man, the Messiah, and he is your rescuer and deliverer. And, and, and many people came to believe him. And, and that was accompanied by him also, through the Spirit, healing people, uh, healing cripples and, and paralytics and, and casting out demons. And they saw there's something powerful in this Jesus thing. And, and it catches the attention of, of a local celebrity, the guy with the great power. And as he sees, he's like, whoa. This is, this is something else. And he believes in Jesus. And, 
and he gets baptized with others. Something transforming is going on. And uh, the source of this movement of the gospel is, is this horrible, horrific persecution that breaks out. But this good news is being advanced. The light is being cast into places that, that need to hear about this. It's quite a strategy that the, the, the apostles had, isn't it? Well, it's not a, a strategy, at all, strategy at all, was it? Jesus told them, you're going to go to these places, but they didn't have any plan. This is how we're going to do it. And, but all of a sudden, they're doing it. And if we were to set up a strategy, some of you are great at thinking strategically and plans and put things out. Uh, this is probably not the way you would have written up. Okay, okay, let's have Stephen really get them angry and persecute us, have some of us go to jail and then be scattered, running for our lives, but that's how we'll spread the gospel. Well, we would not write that up. But this is how, what God does and uses to bring, back, bring forth this message. Well, so now we're in Samaria. Samaria! Uh, John and, and Peter hear about this. They're like, Samaria? What? And so they go down to check it out. And, and part of the story is that, that, that in some way they not received the Spirit, though they, they, they confessed belief and were baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, there was something particular that was, did not happen. And Luke doesn't give us a picture of what that is, but there is a concern for it. And, and, and John and Peter go down there to, to make the connection with this community and, and, and build the bridge again all the, the apostles had this had a, a Jewish background and so this animosity with, with Samaritans and so to, to make this connection, even the leadership to say hey, we're here to help you and, and build you up in this, this faith that we're discovering as well and, and so they come down and they lay hands on them and, and again, we don't, we don't see Paul, Luke doesn't tell us this is what happened just that the spirit came and it was, it was obvious uh, obvious in a visible or audible way, so much so that Simon, when he sees this, like, now there's something. I mean, I've been doing some great things here through this magic that I had, and 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 this this is this is tremendous. And he goes to the to Peter and John, he's like, here's some money. Let me, give me this gift because I love what you're doing here. And and uh, and and. As I've been reflecting on this passage, it's, it feels like a Peter moment. Uh, Peter, the, the, the follower of Jesus, and, and now the, the leader within the community, uh, when he was walking with Jesus, it seems like he would say the exact same things that Simon would say. He would see something like, like, let's do this now. Let me have some of this. And, and Jesus has to rebuke Peter several times. To say, what you're thinking, what you're doing is not God's intention. Well, now Peter sees himself on some level and also sees what was at the root of that. This, this idea that somehow I can control God. And, 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 and sometimes along the way, as, as, as the word goes forth and as we discover and we have exuberance about who God is, sometimes inaccuracies and and we get a little bit off of the true message and we need correction and 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 even discipline to take a look at where we're at and and uh, Peter lets Simon know in no uncertain terms 
this is not okay. <laughs> what you want to do in controlling this with your money, this is not okay. And says, pray to God that he might heal your heart. And as Simon takes this in, he's got to come to realization. He's been a celebrity. He has demonstrated power through undoubtedly occult practices that he had been doing. And, and, and he could control some of these things. And he was someone. But in this new dynamic of being part of God's people and the follower of Jesus Christ, he was not someone anymore. But he was someone who needed he needed to rely upon God and his strength, and, and there was something that he couldn't control. And, and, and Peter's reaction to him, it seems particularly harsh. I mean, he really lays into him about the things that are going on in his heart. And, and to his credit, Simon takes that and then responds, please, please pray for me that these things that you say won't happen. And and uh, there's, there's some question about what was really going on there. Some suggest that, that Simon really never came to faith, that he, he just, his heart really wasn't there. Uh, but others, and I think I, I agree with them, really see a, a change of heart there, that, that in this harsh rebuke and this humbling moment that he says, okay, I've been, I've been controlling this enough in my life. Peter, would you pray for me in this moment? And, and, and a spirit of, of repentance, of humility, needing and recognizing he's not in charge and he needs God's help. And he needs the help of maybe even some others to, to get him there and to get him through this. And our lives... Uh, what I love about these stories is, is the way they, they cut through some of our own desires to control our situations. And, 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 and admittedly, some of them are, are so beyond our control and so difficult. Uh, it has us claiming, Lord, where are you in this? I need your help to understand what's going on. I, I cannot do this. And yet in this story, as undoubtedly many were doing that, as they were scattered from Jerusalem, we see God's presence. We see God's work. We see God's power. We see new relationships emerge and new connections being made. And, and I think for, for each of us, as, as we, we think through what God is doing in our own lives, because each of us, have hard things that we've been going through. Some maybe they're they're physical things within our, our, our bodies or or someone within family is is going through or maybe it is relationships that have been damaged or or hurt or yeah, or even estranged from family members. Or uh, saying, God, where where do we find our way through this? God says, continue to trust and hope. Continue to look to me in these things because I'm still God and I know where you're at. 
And I know the pain that you're working through and dealing with. And while some of these things have happened because of the sinfulness of mankind or your own sinfulness or things that are not of your making, still you're walking through this. But I'm with you. And there's something greater than you and and greater than even this moment that we're looking to. Stick with me. When I was at the homeless shelter in, in, in Nebraska, uh, our program was based around this idea of resiliency. Uh, my friend Dave had, had written up the, 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 the program called the Personal Resilience Program. We called it PRP for short. But, but the, the picture of resiliency was, was this idea of being able to, to get through things that have happened in our life. Uh, by definition, all the people who are, were our, our guests at the homeless shelter, something gone wrong. Sometimes it was their own difficulties. Many had, had issues with alcoholism or drugs. Some had lost their money through, through various things that they had done. Some, it was because of, of relationships thing. They'd burned so many bridges and relationships they had. Others, it was a medical issue that just drained them of money, and they lost everything, and they lost their house, and they had nowhere to go. But, but whatever it was, uh, they had come to a point where they just they needed help. And... and Part of this idea of resiliency, we, uh, my friend Dave used a, the picture of, of, a, of a ball and an egg. And, and now I, I tried this in a sermon once. And, and uh, so you, you, the rubber ball, you know, you throw it on the ground and it bounces right back up. And if you throw it really hard, it bounces higher than you started with. And, and so, I, so I did that with the ball. And then, and then I, 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 I dropped the egg um, at the top of the stage and... Well, it bounced, <laughs> and then it bounced again, and I was like, okay. Well, then I threw it down, and it finally broke, but um, sometimes it doesn't go the way we want, but uh, even still, uh, there's a little message in there. Uh, sometimes we can take light things. I, I dropped it on a stage similar to this with carpeting and padding and, and then plywood underneath it, so there was, there was a little bit of built-in cushion for it, but eventually, the fragility of the egg gave way. That rubber ball would have never, it had never broken. But sometimes that's our lives. Are we fragile at a point where we're going to break? One of our tasks at the homeless shelter was to help build them up with the things like belief and, and, and what we are, what, how we're thinking and how we're working in our lives and, and what it is that we're relying and depending upon. And in all our direction was this Jesus. That this life that he invites us to can be part of this healing process and to build into us the resiliency that we need to keep going on, to not give up hope because God is with us yet. I don't know what's going on in your world and what things you might be wrestling with and dealing with. But I, but I know in the circumstances in my life that I've, I've been at points of, Lord, what's going to happen out of this? I've seen him come to bring healing in relationships or bring healing in my heart and, and bring restoration. God doesn't work. 
His Spirit does a work. And what He calls us to do is to trust Him. Even through the storms that we're facing, He loves you and cares for you. And I think allows us to come and say, Lord, I I need your help here. What's going on? But then to look for the ways that he's doing a work in and around you. Well, let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we, we gather this, this morning and, and again face a, a, a difficult passage. And as we enter into the, the story of our brothers and sisters as they go through the difficulty of being uh, taken or scattered from their homes and go to different places. And yet we see also you working in them and and through them and and them being able to take the circumstances of their life and continue to testify to the work you've done in us. Lord, help us as we've come to embrace you to continue to, to trust in you despite what's going on. We need your help. And yet you've promised that you will help us. That we can, we can come before you and lay our burdens upon you. Because you seek to give us rest. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And we ask that you help us to yet hope in this, whole, in this world and in your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.